0: you got to love Charlie Brown. Even a cartoon can share the gospel. Do you ever feel that way in, a, in that? Uh, how Charlie Brown felt where you seem to miss what Christmas is about sometimes? I mean, you know, there's so many things this time of year. There's so many things that we do. We, we go shopping. We, we get the tree set up. We, we're thinking about different people and getting together. I mean, there's so much. You know, our jobs, sometimes our jobs, I, I know some of you guys are in law enforcement, it's a little busier for you because of uh, parties going on and all these different things. I know in my job and, and Jan here, you know, we, we work more hours and we, we put in more things to try to get Christmas season going. So there's so much more in it. Sometimes when we get caught up with this stuff, we miss out on what, what really is important, what Christmas is all about. Now, there are so many, a lot of great things about Christmas. I love Christmas. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And I think you guys know that about me. It, it's, the, it's by far, this and Easter is by far the greatest time of the year. You know, families get together. We, we, we prepare what to make. We, we get to uh, uh, celebrate together. I, I got to see my family this week. I haven't seen them since we moved back. And so I went out to Hampton Roads and I got to see my family, and it's been a couple of years since I saw them, and it was wonderful to get together with them, and, and, and there's some great things about the holiday season that uh, is, is a great blessing. There's things that are not bad. In fact, they're quite wonderful about the season and about the Christmas time, but when you, when you think too much about certain things like pondering on what to get or, or making your long list for Black Friday or, or when you focus too much on stuff. Or too much on what you're gonna get or give. Preparing things, and, and, and you, you have a sense of loss. You, you end up losing this, this awe and this, this wonder that we call Christmas, this this wonderful, magnificent holiday that we celebrate. You know, we we celebrate Christmas because it's a celebration of Jesus, it's a it's a celebration of the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we, we celebrate it because of the love that God has for us. It's a wonderful, wonderful holiday. This series is going to be, we call it Vintage Christmas. And, and we're going to be going through some key events about the Christmas story. And, and hopefully, through these events, we'll, we'll, it'll refresh your, your view of Christmas time. You know, have you ever had a, a human relationship that we were so blown away by the demonstration of love? And sacrifice. Have you, have you ever had a relationship that, that was you, you were just blown away by how much that person loved you or loves you? Have you ever thought about stories of love and sacrifice, about pondering about how much love it takes to, to give your life for somebody, to, to, to give a kidney for your, your sibling, or, or to you know, give your life for a loved one? You know, to, to go and fight a war, to, to die for our country because you love the people there and you're willing to sacrifice your life. So I, I want to share a couple stories of, of three examples of just an amazing love and, and an amazing sacrifice for other people. And a passenger, uh, when, when Air Florida Flight 90 on January 13, 1982, smashed into the frozen Potomac River in the middle of a snowstorm, all but six passengers survived. This guy in the picture here, Mr. Williams, he decided that when, when the helicopter came, they threw down a life preserver, and he made sure somebody else got it, and they lifted him up to safety. The helicopter came back again. He did the same thing. Now it was his turn, and they threw him, and he turned around, and he gave it to somebody else, and, and the helicopter brought him back and came back, and by the time, and this happened over and over and over again, by the time the helicopter came back, and he was the last one, he was dead. He gave his life for complete strangers. Six strangers. In the 9 11 towers, Richard uh, Rescorla. He was instrumental in saving thousands. What this guy did is he was the security guy for Morgan Stanley in the tower, one of the towers. And he would, every year, he would do, twice a year, he would do security drills and they would uh, rush out the people. And he would just random drills and get the people out. He was the only one that really did that. And he would rush these people out, and every year he would do this, twice a year. And you know what that preparing did? When 9-11 happened and the first tower hit, he was able to save 2,500 people. 2,500 people were able to get out because he prepared and wanted to help these people, and he ended up dying through that process. Chaplains, lieutenants, George Fox, Alexander Good, John Washington, and Clark or chaplains on a troop transport in 1943. February 3rd it was destroyed by a torpedo by a submarine. You know these four chaplains all from different faiths. You know what they did? They came together and they started handing out life preservers to the troops and they got them out and these guys jumped overboard and at the end when they were running out of life preservers they took theirs off and gave them to soldiers and they jumped off. These four guys ended up locking arms when the ship was going down, locking arms, singing hymns and prayers, and going down with the ship. Who knows how many countless lives have been impacted by these four gentlemen. They call these chaplains, called the, the immortal chaplains. Even to this day, they're well known because of the sacrifice that they did. The sacrifice of love, and, and just for complete strangers, they got together and, and cared for one another. You know, it's not too often that we we experience that kind of thing. How many of you have had somebody else save your life? Not, not many of us have. Not many of us have had that kind of experience where where I'm on a ship and it's sinking and, and some guy gives me his life preserver. We don't, we don't really share that every day. We don't see those stories every day. A love that's so extreme and so sacrificial that it took, takes our breath away. But we can still experience that that awe and that wonder when we hear those stories, that kind of love, that kind of love that our Creator did for us, when every every star, every, every drop of water, every bird, every animal, everything he created for us and, and loves us, to the same the same God who sent his son to die on the cross for us to, to have him born and, and Resist temptation and then later on to take care, take this brutal death. That's an awe. That's that's awe-inspiring when we look at Christ and what he did being born into this world and then suffering the way he did. See, we can we can see that awe and that wonder in his life. We should be awed by that kind of love. Today's message, I want to try to capture a sense of awe again. I want want this Christmas season, I want you to think about this Christmas season as as just awe and wonder and amazement. I want you to experience that in your life. As we look at the shepherds, I want you to see that, feel that, that awe inspiring and see how they viewed it. And so we're going to look into the narrative of Luke chapter 2. And, we're going to, and it, they introduce, this chapter introduces these guys, these shepherds. And, and, and we can call these guys the, the, the original Christmas missionaries, the first missionaries after Christ was born. While prophets may have told the, the story of the coming Christ, you know what he, they did? They're proclaiming, He has come. They're saying, He is here. Out of all the characters in the nativity scene, this is the, the shepherds are probably the ones that we can most of us can relate to the most. They were just average guys, you know. They weren't they weren't the highly educated. They weren't uh, you know the elite of the con- culture. They they were just average, hardworking guys. They were they were dirty most of the time. They're out in the fields. They didn't really go into town too often unless they needed to. They lived out in the fields a lot. They they made uh, the clothes out of the lambskins. I mean they they lived off the land they were considered out, outsiders and and as, as a matter of fact you know they were it's hard to be ceremonial clean like the jewish requirements were if you're in in dirt and and dung and and, and you're always out there in the field it's hard to do that if you because the the requirements were to be clean washing ceremonial washings three times a day so you can't really do that if you're out there as a farmer or a rancher so they are considered outsiders they were considered just average Joes. They ate what they could with their hands, and their hands were always dirty. They were the average working class, first century country boys. They were raised sheep for food and clothing, and they, and they also raised these sheep for the Passover event and the atonement sacrifices for the Jewish culture. And you know what's interesting is that, that these, they raised these sheep for this ceremony but you know what the sheep were allowed to go in but they weren't they weren't good enough the sheep were allowed to but they weren't but you know what's interesting is is god's thoughts are different than our thoughts it's interesting to note that all, throughout all the bible lowly and unpopular folks are deemed special to god other than Mary and Joseph, the first people to see babies Jesus is an unsophisticated, uneducated farm boys. That's who God selected to see. While the world slept on silent night, the shepherds' lived lives were forever changed by witnessing the birth of Christ. As we read this account, I hope that you will see a new wonderful things in this story. I hope that, that things will be revealed to you, and I, I hope that you'll get this awe-inspiring View of the birth of Christ. So let's open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 8 through 20. And of course, it will be up on the screen if you want to read along. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. The shepherds went back to their flocks and glorified and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's pray. Father God, as we open up this, this, this verse, this story of the shepherds, open our hearts and our minds to your word. We ask the Holy Spirit to be here and teach us what you have us learn. Convict us on, on the things that we need to work on and to change and, and uh, just we ask you to be here and Help us grow in our relationship with you. Father God, we love you, and we just thank you so much for sending the shepherds to witness the birth of Christ. Thank you for this story, and teach us what you have us know. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing that uh, that this accounts that we need to recognize is that the gospel, the good news, is for everyone. You know, so many times uh, people think that the gospel is really for select people. Even today, our, our Christian church, you know, kind of act like Pharisees. They think that, that the gospel is only for certain people. But if you look at verse 10, it says, But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So there is no exclusive, uh, exclusive uh, uh, point here. It's for everyone. See, so many people think that the, the gospel is only for the educated or, or the financially stable or, or, or maybe people that have never been arrested or never got hooked on drugs or never really drank. And, you know, it's only for those good people. And, and how you check yourself on that is, is when you go to witness to somebody, who do you witness to? You end up witnessing to people that are like you. And you end up witnessing to people, well, I don't know, he wouldn't fit into my church. He's African American or, or he's a, he's a, a junkie or, or he's this and he's that or she's this and she's that. And we, we end up selecting who we're going to send the Gospel to or, or share the Gospel to. But see, right here it says it's good news for all people. See, it should be for all people. The Gospel's for everyone. Like the angel said, good news for great joy to all people. Good news for the poor. Good news for the rich. Good news for the weak, the strong, the healthy, the sick, the men, the women the the old the young it doesn't matter it's the gospel is for everyone this is awesome news awesome news maybe you're here today and, and you and you come because it's the christmas season and that's what you do you come because it's christmas or maybe maybe you've found that you know christianity isn't really all that it, it's, it seems to be or or maybe you have doubts or maybe you're not taking it serious and you're just like oh it's just it's all right you know, it's kind of boring. It's not really relevant in my life. Or maybe it's going to, ch- going to church isn't even good news in itself. This, what's this whole good news stuff, this gospel? And you think to yourself, well, I, you know, yeah, it's supposed to be good, but I don't really see it. I want to tell you something. The gospel really is good news. The gospel is amazing. And I want to apologize if anybody has ever made you feel that the gospel is not anything but amazing. It is far from that. It's awesome and relevant to everyday life. The gospel matters for eternity, and it matters for us today. We must also realize that our response to the good news matters. The gospel matters, but also our response to that matters. It is our response that we're going to experience that awe and wonder. It's when we hear the gospel, it's our responses that are going to help us gain that awe and wonder. Look at, the, look at verses eight, 17 and 18. The shepherds experienced this awe and wonder. They, we see them do this. It says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what they had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' stories were astonished. Now, this word astonished, some of your uh, Bibles might say amazed. But this word is actually, uh, the original Greek is referring to that word enthusiasm or enthusiastic. And it was, it was referencing this, this wonder, this marvel of things. The shepherds were amazed. They were sharing this, they, they experienced it, and they were sharing it with people. As they responded to the gospel, the good news, they got experienced in this awe and wonder. The amazement and enthusiasm prompted the response. They couldn't contain their excitement. They couldn't, they couldn't keep it in. They witnessed the birth of the Savior. and They, they see this, and they're so excited to the, the experience of a relationship with God that they couldn't, they couldn't hold that in. They went and shared it. It reminds me of if you had a system, and I've said this before, if you have a system to make a million dollars, and it's a guarantee, and I can share it with each and every one of you, and it wouldn't make it, I could still use the system, and I could make as much money as I wanted, and so could you. Wouldn't you want to share it with your friends and family? Yeah, if it was a guarantee, you put $10 in, you get a million dollars back. $10 in, a million dollars back, and there's unlimited resources. You'd want to share that. You'd be like, yes, mom, give me 10 bucks. I want to go make you a million. And you'd share those things because it's... It's exciting, but this is nothing compared to this. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is God in the flesh being born in a manger, and they get to witness this, and they are sharing it with everybody. We have far more than a million dollars or some system to get rich. We have a Heavenly Father we get to share with. We have a Heavenly Father we get to witness and experience and awe and wonder. The first, the way they, we're going to look at a couple ways that they responded. And the first one is that they went to the newborn king. When they first heard the angels tell them this, and they experienced this, and they see the host. Remember, we talked about a host a few weeks ago. A host is like thousands of angels. It's not like this small amount. It's a large amount of angels. So these angels came, and then they saw the host, and they saw all these angels come and witness. And so they experienced this, and they didn't sit there and say, oh, you know what? Hey, why don't you two guys go check it out, and I'll watch the flock you know, give me an email or text me, you know, if it's, if it's real and, and I'll come over there. They didn't do any of those things. They didn't, they didn't send messengers or they didn't split up. Then so what did they do? What did they turn around and, and look? He says, look, let's go. They looked at each other and says, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened which the Lord has told us. They recognized who it was that was told. They knew it was God and they turned around and they responded. And they went to God. They went to see jesus they went to see this this thing that's in verse 15 and 16 they went to see this thing that has happened which the lord has told them they could have done anything and you know what they responded you know you don't see them saying wow you know that's great but uh, we got work to do you don't see any of that they believed it by faith and showed their faith by how they walked they went they left they did what they should have done see it's the same with all of us who respond to god's calling anytime a calls you or something or directs you we should respond like that we should respond regardless of anything else we should just go look at hebrews 11 verse 8 it says it was by faith abraham obeyed when god called him to leave home and go to another land that god would give him as an inheritance now listen to this he went without knowing where he was going he went without knowing where he was going. See, so many times we, 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 we hear this call from God or, or something happens and we're like, okay, you know what? I really believe God is calling me to do this. But then when we, when we start thinking about it, and we're like, okay, well, wait a second. Where's, where's God taking me? Maybe he calls you to, I don't know, be a pastor or something. And you start thinking, well, what am I, how am I going to provide for my family? Or how am I going to do this? Or how am I going to do that? How, where, what if he takes us out of Covington? Or what if he takes us on a mission field? You start wondering all these things. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says he was called by God and he went, not knowing where he was going. That's faith. That's acting out faith. Abraham believed by faith and went. How are you personally responding to that faith? This is a question that only you can answer. How are you responding? If God calls you something, how are you responding? Are you making excuses on why you can't do it? Or are you going without knowing any details? Are you going and acting out radical faith? Are you just going and doing it like these did? I want you to watch this show, this uh, video, and it's about a young man who did this radical faith. He was reading uh, David Platt's book. I won't tell you all the details, but he was reading David Platt's book, and he was uh, convicted of what God wanted him to do, and he did it. And he acted out on radical faith. Take a look at this. eventually. It's not there? Well, I guess that's, it's a really good video. (laughs) It really is. We've had, I swear, we've had technical difficulties all week, haven't we, Jan? Just it seems like every time we turn around, and it's not anybody's fault. It's not, it's just Computer this, computer that. It's not hooking up the internet, not syncing, all this stuff. So it's okay. We'll just move on. But it is a great story. And I will, probably I'll, it'll work tomorrow, and then I'll share it to you next week or something. But the story is, and actually I can just summarize it, what this young young man did, he was a teenager in high school, and he, just, he was reading that David Platt book, and he was really convicted about, um, about life. You know, he was really thinking, you know what, where can I be radical? Because that's the book. It's about radical faith. And David Platt talks about some, uh, he preached a series on it and talks about how guys were really getting convicted. How far are they willing to go for Christ? How far are we really, really to go? And if we're, and if we're really faithful to God and God calls us to some place, are we willing to drop everything to go? And, and that's what his whole book is about. Now, not everybody's called to missions. Not everybody's called to sell their home and go on the mission field or anything like that. But if he did call you, genuinely called you, are you willing to go? And so this boy, this young man, sees this, and he had this conviction about something about the Sudan or something. And so he goes to his youth pastor and says something, and the youth pastor says, you know what, yeah, we, the vision that we're looking at is trying to build schools and wells over in this African country. So he goes, well, you know what, I want to do something for him. So he designed a T-shirt and, um, and was selling them at school. And, he, and God led him to get this old-fashioned suitcase, and he filled the suitcase up with T-shirts. And he, and he said, you know what? I know people are going to make fun of me, but I'm certain that God wants me to use this silly little suitcase. So he started walking around school with the suitcase, and people were laughing at him. But then all of a sudden somebody says, you know what? What's this suitcase? What's the deal with that? He goes, oh, well, I'm selling T-shirts for Wells in school at this, this country in Africa. Well, that's cool. So he buys it, or he buys a T-shirt. Next thing you know, it just kind of keeps going. He starts selling t-shirts. Now he's got this little group, and he's it's, it's getting some success. You know what he does? He turns around, and he said, God tells him, uh, leads him toward doing a, a relay or a, or a bike ride down, he's on North Texas, go all the way down to the Gulf, 400 miles. So what he does is he, he gets on the bike, and they went up, and they got sponsors from people, 50 cents a mile, dollar a mile, whatever. So they went down, and they went on this road, and he ended up doing 400 miles with this group of people and raised over $4,000. And so they ended up taking this money and coming up with like $30,000 through all these different things and were able to build, help build a school and build wells in this African country. This is a 17-year-old kid. He responded to God. He dropped. He didn't care about people making fun of him, and he just went. And he was obedient. And look at how God blessed him, how... how awe-inspiring. I know that young man has a huge faith right now. Because, you know, when you experience God in that way and you turn around and you see Him and you're you're just awestruck with what He did, you can't walk away from that unchanged. You can't. See, that's, that's radical faith. That's faith in action. Respond to the good news by believing in your actions and going where He tells you wherever that may be. That's between you and God. Secondly, the shepherds were witnesses for the newborn king. In verse 17 and 18, it says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And we talked about the astonished. Being a witness is telling what you have seen and know and believe. Just like the fact that they went based on their, they, they, they went and their faith was in action, their faith was also in their words. We need to believe with our words as well. If we're going to continue to experience this awe and wonder of Christ in our lives, we have to tell others about it. We have to tell others what we believe. We have to tell others what we know to be true. We have to tell others like the shepherds did. We need to share that. And there's something wonderful about sharing the Gospel and you see the light shine for the first time in somebody's life. When, when you see them accept Christ for the first time, it's an amazing experience. And you'll talk about it for weeks. And you'll think about it, that moment. And you can't sit there and think, that oh, that was no big deal. It was, it's all inspiring And the only way we do that is by opening our mouths to share this stuff. If you're a Christian, you remember early on in your faith, there was this newness. When you, when you first became a Christian, you're, it was exciting. I, I got saved. I don't know about you guys, each, each one of your stories, but I got saved in my 20s. Well, I got saved actually in my early 20s, and then I backslid for many years, and then came back after my dad died. And, and I still remember that, that awe and excitement that God wanted me. God wanted me? Do you know what I've done, God, and you still want me? And there was an awe and wonder and excitement and, and a newness that, that I, I wanted to read the Word of God. I wanted to study. I wanted to go to church six times a week. And Jenny said, well, how about spending some time with me? I wanted to go all the time. It, it, and there was this newness there. And it continued. It drove me to want to learn more. And what, we, what, uh, and what he wanted for my life. And I remember asking him, uh, this was early on, I said, God, what, what do you want from me? And he called, said, I want you to be a pastor. I'm thinking, there's no way I would ever be a preacher. There's no way. I didn't like public speaking. I remember being scared to death of it when I first started college. I hated it, surprisingly. And, and to do that, it's like, there's no way, because I didn't see the end. I didn't see what God was going to do in between then and the time that I started preaching. See, early on, we, 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 we get this newness and we want to please God and we want to get excited. But then, if you've been a Christian for a while, sometimes that newness wears off, doesn't it? It's not quite as exciting as it once was. That zeal, that and, and when, you, when you see somebody that just got saved, they're just on fire and they want to bug you for every question and they want to debate everything because they just want to know But then if you've been a Christian a while, it's like, eh, I've already asked those questions. I already know. And and, and it's not quite the same. It becomes harder to be in the Word of God. It becomes harder to to be around new believers. It's it's harder to, to walk the Christian life because you just don't have that zeal. And it breaks my heart to see that. It breaks my heart to see when people walk away from church and walk away from God. It breaks my heart to, to see people in church and they, they have this fire, that newness. And then over time, you hardly see them. see them once in a while. And then you ask them, well, hey, you know, where have you been? Well, I've had a lot of stuff going on. Well, what, like what? Well, I've been working a lot. And they always have a, see, what seems to be a legitimate reason. It always appears to be legitimate, but really it's I overslept or just not motivated i just don't want to do it i don't want to it's not it's not fun anymore it's not exciting it's not it's not i I don't have that passion anymore and it breaks my heart to see that you know there's that old saying how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time how do you walk away from church how do you walk away from god one step at a time it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight you just move take one step one step next thing you know you haven't been in church in six months (coughs) <coughs> I want to tell you as you share the good news with others and they see that, that they have that sense of awe, that newness and they get excited, it rubs off on you. Have you ever been around that person that's just kind of a high energy person that's always exciting and you're maybe a little bit mellow but then you go around them and next thing you know you're kind of worked up, you're a little excited too because it rubs off on you. I talk faster when I'm around people that talk fast. It's just kind of the way it is. When you share the gospel and that newness is there, the more you share the gospel and the more people come to Christ that you're around and you see that working in their lives that excites you, it'll give you that sense of awe and, you'll, and, you'll, and it'll give you that renewal. I love being around new believers. I love it. I love sharing the gospel. I love seeing that, that spark in their eyes. And you go, you know what? And I go, I remember that was, what that was like. I remember that love, that joy, that That excitement it rubs off on you. And those feelings of wanting to dive back into the Word and study and experience His joy comes flooding back in it and it just reinforces my love for God. When I I see people come to the altar, it motivates me even more. See, in the beginning of the book of Acts, we see Jesus telling His disciples to be witness to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 1. And this is basically, He's given the Gospel again. He's saying... He, he's uh, the Great Commission again. The Great Commission is in Matthew 28 as Jesus tells His people to obey the things He's commanded and go on and say, surely I am with you always. He gives, he gives this commandment and said, follow these things, I will always be with you. This, that sense of awe, that sense of His presence gets renewed each time we teach others about Jesus and we're witnesses to Him and we keep teaching it we keep sharing finally the shepherds worshipped the new king in verse 20 it says the worships went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen it was just as the angel had told them (coughs) they gave God the glory They, they saw what happened and they went to this manger and they saw it and they witnessed it and, and they gave God all the glory. They gave God the praise. They gave God the worship. You know, they, they valued him. They just, they loved him. And they just, they continued to praise and worship God. It doesn't say how they do this, though. <coughs> Excuse me. It doesn't say how they do it. It doesn't get into specifics. You know, they didn't, they, they didn't say that they had a cookout. It doesn't say how, a barbecue. It doesn't tell us, right? But you know what? These are three guys. And remember we talked about their average Joes. They're just regular guys. So probably, uh, how many cowboy fans do we have in here? Okay, so you guys will like this. Imagine the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl again. How would you feel? Be pr- kind of a little exciting. Yeah, you you you'd be cheering. Okay, or or imagine somebody you know, whatever your team is, winning the World Series. That's probably kind of what they did. They probably were excited and, and they're walking down on their travels back and telling everybody, hey, did you see the game? Jesus was born. They probably were telling everybody. They didn't just keep it to themselves. They didn't like, oh yeah, it's all the king. You know? They were excited. They were probably running up. I remember the first time I, I worked in a high-end mall, really wealthy mall. <coughs> Excuse me. And we had a lot of stars that would come through there. And I never really cared because there's just people, too. But there was one time, one star. I'm not going to who it is because then you'll laugh at me. But there was one star where I got um, a little star struck, okay? So I see this guy. I'll tell you that part. I see him walk, and I see him, and we make eye contact. And I'm like, hey, that's so-and-so. That's pretty cool. And next thing you know, I'm a manager, so I'm busy doing t- help and stuff. And I turn around, and literally he's standing right in front of me. He's like 6'2", and I'm like looking up to him. I'm like, hey. He's like, hey, what's up? And, and I'm like, wow, that's this famous actor. And so I'm like, hey, can I help you? And no. He looks around, he leaves. I went over to a salesperson, one of my salespeople, interrupted her sale, her interrupted her her, her she had a customer right in front of showing engagement rings. I interrupted the whole process, which is a big no no in sales, and I said, That was so-and-so. The guy the customer's like, Who's that? He didn't even know, but I was so excited that I went and interrupted the sale. I, I was so excited that I totally interrupted everything, and, uh, and I, then I felt stupid, of course, after that, and walked away with my head down. But you know, it, when you when you can, when you experience something, you get excited. You go share it. You go interrupt people. There's probably conversations going on down the road, and he probably went over and busted in there. These guys probably went in there and said, "Hey, guess what happened? The Savior was born. God was born." The Messiah is here. Not coming, here. He is here. And they went around. They probably told a lot of people. (coughs) And they worshipped him. They worshipped the Lord. (coughs) Excuse me. Here they might have done. These, These guys probably did it the whole trip. The whole ride back. I don't know maybe, but I know that they felt the emotions of all that had happened. And they're filled with a sense of awe and wonder. This is the Lord Christ born. Now, I'm sure that that feeling wasn't always with them. I'm sure that they had to go back and take care of their, take care of their animals. They still had work to do. And even a shepherd, being a shepherd, it was a full-time job. It wasn't you know, going home at 9, 9 to 5, or it was a full time, 24 hours a day, you're always in the field type thing. And so they still had work to do. <coughs> and, they, and they, but they recounted their story, and they shared with as many people as they can. And they recounted what the angels told them, and they, they would experience this new wonder every time. And you can have that too, as a Christian, share that with somebody that experience that you have had with Christ. Share that experience you had with Jesus. You were not born a Christian. There was at some point in your life you made that decision. And you also have a testimony. You also have things you can share. Things that you can say, well, you know what? I had hard times during this time, and Jesus was there, and He helped me through it. Or there was a time where I had no hope, and I was scared for whatever it was, a health scare or something, God was there and he gave me comfort during that time you have a testimony all of us get to Christ the same way did you know that every single one of us in this room if you were a follower of Jesus Christ you got there the same way I did on your knees the same way you had to have come to a position where you made that conscious decision that you surrendered your life over to him and you said you're my God and I want to testify of that and you have a story and all you got to do to renew your spirit and just feel that all wonder is share it with other people. Share what Jesus has done. Share with what, what what love He has for you and other people. Share it. And it's your story. Nobody's going to argue with it. It's your testimony. I still remember the day that I came back to Christ. I was driving in a. In a I'll share my testimony real quick. I was uh, saved at a a cowboy church in California. And I had a drug and alcohol problem. And I went in there and I went to a a program. And I got saved there. I still remember it. Years later, well, a little bit later I backslid, partied, did my own thing. My dad passes away and my wife, I just got married. And I wasn't really following Christ or anything like that. I went to her, we were in a Jack-in-the-box drive-thru, if you're from the West Coast, you know what I mean. But the -the Jack-in-the-box drive-thru, burger place, right? And I'm sitting there, and my heart started pounding, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. And you know what he said? He said, you got to go back to church. And I was like, this is crazy. There's no way I'm going to church. But I knew I had to go to church. I looked at Jenny, and I said, I have to go to church. Now, keep in mind, I was not a practicing Christian. She was raised in another, in the Mormon church, so she was like anti-church, and I looked at her, a new bride, and said, honey, I'm going to church. Like, you're nuts. What is this bait and switch? You know, we what, get married, and now you're going to become a religious guy? And so we, uh, I said, well, I'll tell you what. Like, we pulled over and ate in the car and just talked. I said, I'll tell you what, I don't know why, but I have to go. I have to go to church. I don't know where. I have to go. And she said, and I, we made a deal. I said, we 'We'll go, and we'll look, and we'll look, and look, and look, until we both agree. We had to both be in, in equally yoked. I didn't even know what that was at the time. But now I do. But we had to agree. Pretty good for about a three-month a guy that's only been married a couple months. Pretty wise there. But I made sure my wife agreed with me. And we started looking around. Six months later, she accepted Christ. I rededicated my life. at a, church, a mega church out in Arizona. I still remember those moments I remember what my life was like before Christ. And no matter what hardship I have had in my life with Christ, it is nothing. My worst day as a Christian is nothing compared to my day without him. Amen? God wants that relationship with you and you need to share your story. You need to share it. Because you have something that somebody else needs to hear. Hope. Faith. Faith. In our world, look at what's going on with this election. Look at what's going on in our country. We have the answer, and it's Jesus Christ, and we need to share it. We need to share it. Open your mouths. Share your story. And I guarantee, when you start seeing people's eyes light up and you, they see the change, and they see, you hear about the gospel, I guarantee your, your life is going to change, and, and it's going to be an awe and wonder i promise you that when you start seeing that let's pray father god thank you so much for your love and thank you so much for taking us out of a life without you and 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 on a direction toward hell and a separation from you And thank you so much for the birth of Jesus Christ. And thank you so much for the Savior that loved us so much to come into this world, resist temptation, and be a perfect sacrifice for us. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you, Lord. I I can't say thank you enough. Thank you so much, Lord, for the love that you've brought to us with the birth of Christ. And thank you for his sacrifice. And Father God, I pray that each and every one of us never, ever, ever lose that awe and wonder as we see with these missionaries, as we see with these shepherds. Father God, thank you. It is through you that we have this joy and this peace that that surpasses all understanding. And we just ask you, Lord, to be in the hearts and the minds of everybody here. We ask the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. As we go up to an altar call, Lord, I touch them. Touch them, Lord. Give them that sense of awe and wonder. Reveal yourself to them again. Maybe they've maybe they've backed away from you for a while and they need that that love again. Maybe they need that little spark. So I ask you, Lord, to be here with them and help us have the courage to share our story. Share it. I love you, Lord. And I just ask you to work in the lives of everybody here. And thank you so much for the shepherds and their testimony that we can read 2,000 years later and give us a little awe and wonder ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.